Now we need an opener for part two. Okay. There you go. Did you say bagel? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Listeners to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am one of your hosts, Wendy, joined by my partner in shenanigans, Melissa. 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 Hi. Melissa. Huh? <laughs> and that giggle over there is our co-conspirator, Kelvin. Hi, I'm Kelvin Hatley. I I laugh too much at stupid things. <laughs> And you like beans. And, and beans. Beans are good. <laughs> beans are They're a helpful sp- thing to eat. Beans are a twofer. First you can laugh at the beans, and then you can laugh at the farts yes. that come from the beans. It's a it's a, it's it's a it's a double whammy. It's it's twice as good. <laughs> so listeners, this is part two of the Bee Fest episode. If you listened last week, you got to hear about the first half of Bee Fest, and now we're gonna give you the second half. All of us are continuing to drink what we were drinking last week. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how Kelvin's doing. I <laughs> I okay. only drank the one drink, but I still feel really confused mentally. <laughs> so that that happened. I, so, I'm just running off of Kelvin's our, 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 here. Our, our uh, discussions of these films are so odd that it basically results in you know a state of confusion, similar to like four or five drinks. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. suffered brain injury just yeah. thinking about them. Yeah. Dear, dear right. listeners, this episode is where all the scalpings will be. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So without any further ado, boop, let's get on with it. Okay. So after this, was time for the Garbage Pail Kids movie? Whoa, and what? like half... <laughs> no, 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 no. You'll like this, Wendy. Like half the audience just got up and went, nope. <laughs> I, I admit I crawled into the lobby and, and slept. So did I. I slept through this movie and the next one in the lobby. I And I was very happy for that decision. Apparently the, the, the tried and true people who did stay in and stay alert for both... Um, the Garbage, Garbage Pail Camp Kids movie. And Blood Mania were like, oh, oh, you made the right decision. No. No. <laughs> So so we did miss those two. So we missed the Garbage Pail Kids movie and Blood Mania, which I, I skipped because I thought it was going to be a slasher and I don't care about slasher horror movies. But apparently it isn't. Apparently it's made it's like from nineteen seventy and it's I, I don't want to say a hammer movie, but like a really horrible bad attempt at a hammer movie. Yeah, and apparently it was just boring and it's like mm. Yeah. Like there well, was, like someone said like there wasn't really any blood and there wasn't really any mania. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I mean, a lot, a lot of times these movies that are in this particular time slot just uh, they're they're kind of meant for you to skip. <laughs> they always have like the really soul crushingly awful one, like like three in the morning, three you know? in the morning. So yeah, that was the place for garbage pail kids. The movie, 
Woof. Yeah, they always have one um, just atrocious kids movie from the 80s or 90s. And, uh, and I've, I've always found those like the hardest ones to deal with. Yeah. Like, I can deal with the human tornado. Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally understand where the human tornado is coming from. <laughs> but but the Garbage Pail Kids movie, you know, I, it's just, there's nothing about this can be explained. <laughs> so we skipped those, and um, but we really wanted to get up for the next one. Um, you actually made it in for the start of this one, right? I, 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 I missed the very start of it. Yeah, but. and I, I came in a little after you, so I missed the start of it too. But Moon Zero 2 played. Oh, uh, Hammer, Hammer science fiction movie. Yeah, and it is, it, it's like, oh man, I, I need to see this again. Because it's sort of, ha- it's sort of it. Hammer... It, sort of trying to do 2001. Yeah, it's it well it's Hammer But but without the uh, mystical woo woo stuff. No, it's know? it's it's Hammer trying to do 2001 plus Italian giallo. Uh so <laughs> it it is uh, literally people in um candy colored moon suits and um everybody's got like the sw- swinging 60s style and the score um, is all jazz the score is all jazz it is filmed gorgeously it is <laughs> i'm picturing beautiful. 2001 with a jazz score <laughs> yeah yeah but it's like it's like this reasonable and it's a murder. But low budget attempt uh, at doing like realistically this is what life would be like on a colony on the moon yeah and it's but with this very swinging 60s overlay for it all and it's a murder mystery on the moon this sounds delightful it is awesome okay wendy uh remember our hammer episode and uh pat was telling us you gotta see moon zero two uh-huh yeah yeah seriously this is great no we got it we gotta watch this thing it it um it's been described as a space western yeah and because again, it's kind, it's kind of like uh, you know, the goings on at a remote town in the west where every you know the nearest other town is days away, and it's kind of that only with the moon, you know. Okay, yeah. okay. And there's 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 dance numbers. There are dance Don't. numbers. Oh yeah. There's there there's a. Are they jazzy? They're they're very sixties like women in leotards and and like weird headgear. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, there is. <laughs> They're, they're 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 literally like the money on the moon is literally called moon dollars. Yes. No. <laughs> and the the drinking establishment in in the 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 lunar city is literally called the moon bar. Moon bar. <clears throat> oh, that's cute. And, and there's some sort of ostensible like old west decor in the moon bar or something uh-huh. and like so you got the swinging 60s dancers and these like sort of very wacky cowgirl outfits. <laughs> doing some kind of dance routine that's like the entertainment at the bar mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know it's like okay you know i mean i mean the, t- the the attempts at the actual like putting the spacesuits on and walking around on the lunar surface and you know the space travel to and for the moon is actually pretty reasonably well done mm-hmm. but then it has like the goofy moon dancing ladies and i'm like okay yeah because <laughs> 60s i love because it. it's the 60s i love yeah. it love it Love it. It was so much fun. If I were on the moon, I would want to dance. I bet you would. You could, Being, you, 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 your, your leaps would be amazing. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so from Moon Zero Two, we went to Low Blow. Oh, God. Okay, so Low Blow is um, this it's super low budget um, 
This is Cap, your um, your '80s action movie. It, yeah, thing. with with kung fu in it. Um, well, not sort kung fu, of. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the guy who is the lead in Low Blow, I forget his name. Leo Fong. Leo Fong. He apparently was quote trained by Bruce Lee, which probably means he bugged Bruce Lee until Bruce Lee like showed him how to punch something, and and that's about it. So. Uh, his, his skills aren't all that great but um wow just a charismaless it, actor He's absolutely just... wow although i do <laughs> love his his character is kind of this uh, private detective who is an utter slob pretty much incompetent at everything uh including parking he there's, that, a, weird, <laughs> there's a weird running gag of him parking really terribly yeah really. but i don't know if it was a gag necessarily but. <laughs> yeah and he had the world's shittiest car just just this terrible car that would never start and then he'd park it horribly and it'd like just run into every building and it he wouldn't care and, you, you know you know those scenes in like the naked gun movies when when frank drebin drives his car up to the crime scene and he knocks over a garbage can or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like that, only... It is exactly only like Only it's done seriously. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's just very odd. What year yeah. was this made? Oh, this was 86? 86-ish, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm looking it up because okay. I need... I need some reference for something else we're going to talk about. But, um... But, yeah, it's... So the plot is... Um, he is hired by a father whose daughter has run off and joined a cult. And so the cult leader was, who is the cult leader? Uh, the actor? Yeah. Cameron Mitchell. Cameron Mitchell. And, uh, so was, like, he was known as a cowboy actor. Yeah. 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 And so Cameron Mitchell and he, he has a, uh, young black female sidekick named a, a Karma who has played a, uh, Ekasua Busia, who is actually a very interesting actress, but it, she's like the one person in the movie who, can, who actually has talent, and she's like giving it her all. She's like, I don't care if I'm in a bad movie, I'm going for the gold, man. And she she's basically the young apprentice who is seeking to take over the cult for herself, essentially. And ah. so she has these great monologuing scenes, and she's just going for the gold. And you know, life. you know, like talking to the cult members you know over a like a bullhorn or microphone you yeah. know like you know today is the first day in which we embrace the light and all this kind of stuff you know yeah she uh she played um oh she was in the color purple she played uh uh nettie is oh. that the yeah yeah she played nettie in the color purple that that actress but, and she was married to john singleton and yeah she was married to john singleton she's like a Ghanan princess. Yeah. She, um, and she was like ex- educated at Oxford and she's like, uh, actually a really kick ass person. But, uh, anyway. But she was in this terrible movie. She was in this reason. terrible, <laughs> terrible movie. And, and so there, the movie goes along and there are just random moments of ingenious weirdness. Like there's one scene where Leo Fong is like chasing after bad guys and they all get into a car and he's like beating on the car, much like Meatloaf did in an earlier movie, but no, he's beating on the car. And then all of a sudden he just like grabs an angle grinder, puts on goggles and then cuts the, the, the roof off the car and then opens the car to get at the bad guys. Which is like, why wouldn't the bad guys have just like crawled out of the car while he was <laughs> driving the four posts off of the car? 
car. Also, do they not have the key to the car that they could just drive away? Uh, yeah, I don't he, know. He, I mean, he did. He did. Like, like when when they when they get in the car, oh, they, that, they get in the car. They're trying to start the car. He literally like uh, Leo Fong like opens the hood of the car and pulls something out of the engine. Yeah, he pull he pulls wires okay. out, so, okay. which is actually a really cool move. I like that. Yeah, and, and then, then and then they, they and then they just happens. cower in the car while he cuts it up with an angle grinder. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then, and then there's the 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 pit fight that they wander oh. across. Okay, so the pit fight. The pit fight is great. So literally, somebody had like bull, bulldozed out a pit and then had extras around the edge. It's literally then, all it is. It's just it, a dirt it is, pit. It is a pit with fighting happening in it, and random extras are going in and like fighting each other. And eventually, there's a point where this one woman goes in to fight. Like um, some, some some rednecks, some some big redneck guy, yeah. And and literally, this is eighties eighties muscle woman. It's like wow, she, she's she, awesome. She's she's like dressed like an aerobics instructor, uh-huh. but she's a pit fighter. Yeah, and but but she's clearly some sort of bodybuilder woman or something because she like keeps flexing and her, her biceps are insane. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you go literally, she just appears, and she's this like really perky like blonde woman otherwise and she has like like... no name no reason to be in the plot she just appears at some point in the plot and then she like joins the team (laughs) and and you just go well she wandered in from a more interesting movie somewhere (laughs) i I, I really really wanted this movie to be muscle chick versus cult leader woman yeah because that would have been amazing that would have been an amazing much more interesting also there was a completely random shot of puppies and everyone was like puppies yeah there's like one scene (laughs) there's one scene where the where the private eye is like chasing down and fighting these bad guys and and like, like one of the bad guys trips or something and suddenly while he's like laying there on the ground kind of going like uh Puppies just come in and start licking his face. Yeah, just like a dozen, half dozen puppies, and and everyone's like puppies, and, and you're like, where are the puppies from? Which which convinces me that the movie that should have happened was Muscle Woman plus puppies, and that would have been perfect. <laughs> Forget this Leo Fong guy. I want I want Muscle Woman and puppies. Because there's absolutely nothing uh, setting up or establishing puppies. Yeah, and they're just random. They just randomly there's puppies in this scene. Gratuitous puppies. Gratuitous Puppies is the name. Mm, oh, God. I feel like it's the name of my uh, Grateful Dead cover band. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. There's another scene where, where, where like Leo Fong punches some guy and crushes his head and yellow goop comes out. Yeah, it's like literally they swapped his head for uh, scrambled eggs. <laughs> Uh, and everybody's like, oh. Like, and that, that was like one of my, the tweets that got the most reaction of mine in the night was just, was was his head full of eggs? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, low blow happened. Oh, my God. And then, you know, by this time, everybody's kind of like running off to the bathroom to reapply deodorant because, oh, boy, it was getting funky in there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we had like a breakfast break and then they played The Fifth Musketeer. Which is a movie where, like, why is this here? Why is the Fifth Musketeer here? Yeah, why, is, why are we watching this? This, this is a puzzler. Festival? Yeah, yeah. So the Fifth Musketeer is a 1970s film. Another late 70s movie. It's, yeah, it's basically a fairly run of the mill adaptation of The Man on the Iron Mask, 
but they tie it into the three and four Musketeers movies that happened earlier in the seventies. Yeah, which uh, the, by Richard Lester, which I don't know if you've seen or not, but they're great. The ones with, uh, with Oliver Reed and and Michael and York. Michael York, yeah. yeah. Those are those are really fun, and so they're 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 kind of trying to do like a third one of those, so it'd be like the fifth Musketeer. Yeah, um, and the fifth Musketeer being the Man in the Iron Mask. Apparently, it's like they did yeah. a mashup of French literature. And <laughs> yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of like it was it was a little like watching someone's reasonably competent fanfic of French adventure literature. Yeah. And and okay. uh, this is one, which is, you know, actually, OK, it, yeah. it's it. The movie's not daffy in particular. It, it, it's, it sort of tries to do the, the kind of wacky fun thing of the Richard Lester movies, but it doesn't yeah, it's, accomplish that. It's kind of just unsuccessful. It's not bad. Um, it was actually it, kind it's of fun just, to watch. It's sort of a com- you know run of the mill competent, uh, but not too competent uh, yeah. costume drama. Yeah. Oh, uh, the, the 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 King of France and his double are <laughs> are played Bo Bridges. Bo Bridges. There are what? multiple Bridges. I know. Oh, what? No, listen to this cast. Listen to this cast. The cast so, is really kind so of so Bo Bridges, um, Ursula Andress oh, oh, as, as the king's mistress. We got Cornell Wilde as D'Artagnan. Ian McShane as Fouquet. What? Ellen Hale Jr. As, as Porthos. Porthos. Lloyd Bridges as Aramis. And Jose Ferrar as Athos. Olivia de Havilland as the Queen Mother. Uh, Rex Harrison as Colbert. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a nutty cast. What? How have I never heard of this film? I don't I know. know. It's really oddly obscure. Yeah. But when you watch it, and it's not like... Well, well, I, I suspect it got put on the lineup because... Um, I'm going to guess that contemporary reviews for it were really negative. Yeah. Uh, but there isn't anything particularly wrong with the movie. There isn't anything particularly right with the movie. Yeah. So it's one of those unfortunate mediocre films. Yeah. Where it's it's just, no, well, that was a thing. But, you know, yeah. you get to watch, uh, you know, 18th century sword fighting for a while. You get to see Ellen Hale Jr. be Porthos. <laughs> <laughs> he's clearly having a great time oh he is having a blast <laughs> he's he is fun <laughs> uh, but um and ursula andrus as as a villainess is really yeah pretty great honestly oh and the the um spanish princess is supposed to be marrying the french king uh-huh yeah uh, for uh political reasons and stuff and sylvia christelle yeah yeah who who i i'm not recognizing emmanuel that. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, I okay. Male person here. Uh, <laughs> Male the, person of a certain age. Of a maybe. certain age, you know, the name Sylvia Christel comes up, and I'm like, what? <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, she's in the movie. Yeah, so it's she's not a bad actress, to be honest. No, she was, just, she was okay. I it's mean, just she's uh, known primarily for getting nude. Yeah. And, uh, Which she didn't really do in this movie. Not so much. No, no. no. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> sorry, but um, <laughs> yeah, there were there were some inexplicably dark scenes in the movie, like not not dark in tone, but it's like Portos somebody gets killed. So well, that yeah, that was dark. But um, but there are scenes like literally turn on the fucking lights. We can't. See oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was terrible uh, terrible lighting in some of them. Um, bad uses of certain kinds of filters. I think. Yeah. Yeah, they were trying to do a day for night thing, and it didn't really work. <laughs> so you said you said you didn't understand why this played. I'm assuming because it wasn't really 
bad? Yeah, it wasn't really bad. It, well, it's there's, not there's, there's usually there's, there's, there's always one movie in Beefest where I can't entirely figure out why it's there. Yeah. Last year it was Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Although Cloak and Dagger went over great. Which is a fun That's movie and it's like a legitimately good movie. It's just kind of forgotten and well you know, and, and cloak and dagger is kind of bonkers in its own way yeah. i mean you start out with that bizarre scene with the giant dice rolling in through the scene um you know that sort of stuff i mean i can see cloak and dagger much more than i can see this it's it's just a tone thing it's like this isn't really beefest fair but it was fun to watch um you see it Actually, we a had forgotten a, swashbuckler is an exactly We had another film on the schedule we haven't gotten to yet. It's like, why? Why did this play too? Yeah, because, yeah, we'll get to that. All right. So after Fifth Musketeer. Yes. This, this was a thing that happened. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Wendy. Oh, my God, Wendy. <laughs> this, this is literally one of my favorite movie experiences of recent memory. Okay. Because this was a perfect movie for this crowd and it was, and it went over like you wouldn't believe. We saw a roar. <gasps> oh my God. Yes. Holy goddamn crap. Oh my God. I am so jealous. I am so jealous. Okay. What the flying fuck? Because yes. I kind of want to see it, but I well, want to see it with the crowd. Yeah, you do. You really want to see it in an audience. You just okay. hear people going like, ah, Ah! Like all the time through the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, usually through movies, people are, you know, making comments throughout. But really, just during Roar, we were just really invested. We were like, no! Ah! God! Why? No! Call Child Protective Services! God! You know, that sort of thing. And, um, dear listeners, if you're not familiar with Roar, this is the story of Roar. Okay, so Tippi Hedren. The actress, you know, the birds worked with Hitchcock, you know, and then her her career went down swiftly after Hitchcock, you know, uh, didn't like her anymore. She married a guy, and uh, I forget his name, John, whatever. He's, John, John Marshall. Marshall. Noah. Uh, no, uh, Noah Marshall. No. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Noah or Noel Marshall. Yeah. yeah. Marshall. Um, they got married. And they bought this ranch in California that they called Shambhala. And they started adopting all of these circus animals and entertainment animals that basically didn't have, you know, usually like lions and tigers and elephants, you know, after they're done with their entertainment uses aren't really good for much else. So they started this refuge in California to save these animals. And so they just adopted all these lions and tigers and elephants and uh, jaguars and, you know, whatever. And they decided to make a movie called Roar. And what Roar is, um, the, the concept was that it'd be kind of a horror movie where there's this this family who goes to a preserver. I don't think it was meant to be a horror movie. Yeah, there are a lot of things. I don't think that was their plan. I've heard Tippi Hedren describe it, and I think she did describe it as a horror movie. But the the tone is all over the place. I will admit that. But um, what the movie is, the plot is, is there's this family, and it happens to be Tippi Hedren and whatever his name is, Marshall, and their kids, their actual kids, including Melanie Griffith, going to a house on a preserve, and the house gets invaded by lions and tigers and jaguars and elephants and you know whatever they had at Chimbala. and so the plot kind of parallels their experience only it turns into 
kind of a horror movie. <laughs> oh, and and so the way they filmed it, they worked on this movie for like eleven years. It cost like seventeen million dollars, and basically what they did was they just let the the actual animals just roam through the house without any plan, and they filmed it all, and then kind of shoehorned a plot some, around it. Some of the lions are given a screenwriter credit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The lions have screenwriting that. credits because Because they you know, like like they, they contributed to this movie and we're we you know, we since we worked around what they did, we felt that they deserved full credit as as writers oh, of yeah. the movie. Oh yeah. Now, oh yeah. I had heard that Tippy Hedron and her husband and their family, when they ha- when they created this preserve for these animals, that they they did create it to be where the animals can just roam freely because right. we can all yeah. live together with nature yeah, yeah. I mean, it was in a very, harmony. It was a, a hippy-dippy living with nature. Yeah, thing, and that, yeah. that whole um, all philosophy is in the movie. <laughs> but you're living with gigantic predators. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that aren't so, going to attack because they can sense that we love them. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh God. Okay, dear listeners, Pretty much everybody who worked on this movie got scalped at some point. Oh, God. I mean, like, yeah, Lion Paw, whack. Yeah, Jan de Bont photographed this movie. He got scalped. Melanie Griffith got, like, 50 stitches in her head when yeah. when a lion basically took her scalp off. Uh, Tippy Hedren suffered some grievous injury from an elephant. It's a miracle nobody got killed because... Every gut buddy got mauled at some point. Well, okay, there, there, there. For 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 many shots, um, Noah, uh, the husband, has a bloody cloth bandage around his hand. Yeah, and there's like literally a scene where when he's kind of like lying down with one of the lions in like the hallway of the house and just kind of like petting and wrestling with it, like "How you doing, big guy?" You know, and all this kind of stuff, and he's letting it chew on his bandage it's like, and it's like visibly bleeding and you go no no you are made of meat that's a bad idea <laughs> and i'm like you're you're just let it you're putting your you. blood what in its mouth, mouth like willingly i mean oh, god apparently apparently filming went fine for a few weeks <laughs> and then like the lions realized the entire crew was made out of snacks <laughs> and, and it didn't go so well after that no it, it's you watch this movie and, you know, first of all, it's, it kind of wanders and is aimless and has just the, I mean, like, because, you know, Lions wrote the thing. And, <laughs> and there, there are scenes you go, oh, no, 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 oh, God, no, oh, there, there's no, something There's something bizarrely no. compelling about watching some of the other uh, actors in the movie, like, trying to say some line of dialogue and they're so clearly unnerved that there's lions like right next to them. Yeah, there there is one scene where I, I believe this is the shot where um Melanie Griffith actually got her head eaten. Um there like she's laying Melanie Griffith is laying in the kitchen and there is a lion like gnawing on her head. Like just like teeth on her skull. Gnawing. Is she screaming? She's kind of like, eh, not really outright screaming, but <laughs> by An God. extremely, you know, in distress kind of noise. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, um, th- okay, there, there's, there's a priceless moment right in the beginning of the movie because literally Noel, Neil, whatever his name is, Marshall is um, sitting outside with a bunch of lions and he's like cuddling them like a regular cat and he, and he's going, yeah, they're really sweet and you know, and and he's petting them. And this lion, like, glomps onto his arm and just kind of starts gnawing. And you can see his expression kind of change. <laughs> He's like, ugh. <laughs> and this little lion just goes, ah, And there's, like, a scene of him running to the house and he literally gets, like, tackled by a lion. <laughs> God. And you're like, my God! No! It pounced on you! <laughs> there's also a really beautiful shot where, um, one of the one of the sons is hiding inside a water barrel and <laughs> and looking up out of the top of the barrel and this lion you can see the snout come up over the the lip of the barrel and it's like oh it's kind of cute from that angle and the paw comes up and then you see the claws extend and go yeah <laughs> like and you realize just how fucking huge the claws yeah, it's are. Like, Jesus. I gotta kill you now. And they they filmed for ten years, so for ten years well, they lived like this. Well yeah, well uh the actual filming wasn't the whole I mean yeah. a lot of it was no, like but my point is writing off and, and on trying for to get ten years, but they lived yeah. like this for ten years. Like yeah. at no point yeah. did they wake up and go, Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. It's like after the first scalping, you'd think somebody would go, Maybe this isn't a good idea. The the lion just <laughs> ate my daughter's head. Maybe <laughs> Maybe we should reconsider. There, there is a glorious scene where there, how there are many so many drugs. There, how many drugs were they on? <laughs> honestly, they were probably tranquilizers of some sort. But there are so many boats that get ruined in this movie. <laughs> There's so much violence towards boats. There, there is one there, there, rowboat. They, they row. They they row away from the lions and they're on the opposite shore and then an elephant comes along and they like scramble out of the boat and the elephant's like fuck yo shit and just just like this is an aluminum rowboat it's it's not light or anything like that and that that it it crumples like tin foil it like <laughs> it's, pokes its tusks through it and yeah it's, is like carrying it around and just tearing the yeah boat it's up. like this is why. Okay, lions and tigers around, they're dangerous. You gotta worry about this elephant. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's really impressive to watch. And seeing it in that audience, oh my god, everybody was on point. <laughs> oh my god. Oh I am Jesus. so jealous. Because I do want to see that, but oh. I haven't had an opportunity to see it correctly. It's such a... Oh my just, god! Just baffling. It, in a lot of ways, it's the most terrifying movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it's. I mean, like I, legitimately, I'm ne- you're worried about the humans on. Screen. I mean, I've never, you know, I mean, I've never, I never like shriek or whatever in terror or whatever. But it's just. Who thought that was a good idea? I know it's just everything <sighs> and, about and, it is so odd. And there were so many people along the way, and none of them went. You guys, not a good idea. Wait. One of the factoids that got posted on Twitter while we were watching this was 78 cast and crew were injured. 78. After a while, you would think that they would lose their insurance because you have to have insurance to film. I can't imagine how any insurance was ever arranged (laughs) for this. I I just, I. Yeah. Oh, God. And and, and how how much did that house smell? I want to know. Oh, God. Because I didn't see any fresh step going around there. 
the animals are roaming in the house. Yeah. They're knocking shit over and, you know, destroying furniture and gnawing on doorways. Well, well, like, <laughs> uh, okay, the, the, the day before, we were at the Lincoln Park Zoo. Mm-hmm. And we went in the lion house. Oh, and yes. all, all, all the All the uh, big cats were asleep except for one lion. And, and there was, like, a leopard mm-hmm. that was way up uh, on, on top of a thing. Yeah. Very strong animal smell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the lion house. I can't even... You know, it would be exponentially more intense in in their actual house, and I'm just like, oh, and God, that, that oh. lion, that lion at the Lincoln Park Zoo was being fed. It had a big bone of something, and was just it, like it had a big haunch its, of something. Yeah. yeah, and it was just scraping its teeth on it and looking, and and people were standing about I don't know three feet away from the cage, just watching it eat, and it was just like eyeing people in the crowd, like. I am eating this meat and thinking of you. <laughs> so, yeah, they were playing with lions like that, like kittens. I was like, oh, it's so cute. Pet, pet, pet. And then glomp, gnaw, gnaw, gnaw. And oh, and there's well, like, so much blood. Well, like when, they, when the, uh, the scene when, like, I don't know what they're supposed to be, like the locals are like boat up to the house and and like try and confront them like you know we don't we don't like what you're doing here with tons of wild lions running around everywhere and uh like the two tigers literally just get into this guy's boat and swamp it oh yeah yeah (laughs) yep and and the one one tiger goes swimming off and the other one's like i'm going down with the boat fuck this yeah it's like literally just this tiger sitting in a sinking boat and it's like kind of a bizarre (laughs) yeah And the tiger's like, I don't know what's happening, seriously. <laughs> but, oh. But it's like, um, my brain isn't big enough to encompass physics. Mm. Well, it is a cat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Roar is truly special. And boy, um, the restoration that was done on it by Draft House Films was... It, it it is a good looking movie. It looked like something that just yeah came out yesterday. It it is really beautifully filmed. Yandabun did a good job, but wow, oh boy! You have to wonder why he kept showing up. <laughs> oh, any of them really? Yeah. I wow. Maybe that's why there were seventy eight crew members injured. They just kind of like they just kept leaving. <laughs> it's like uh, fuck this. Yeah. And another one comes in. Fuck this. Another one comes in. Fuck this. <laughs> I'm just going to nope right out of here. Well, okay, there, nope, there's nope, a nope. thing of like, okay, maybe maybe on some level these these uh, big cats are just kind of being friendly and playful. But they weigh, you know, 600 pounds. They've got claws longer than your fingers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not... Maybe they are just being friendly, but they're not going to really know their own strength and what... Yeah, they'll they'll you know. playfully bat at you, and suddenly your intestines are on the floor. Yeah, it's just, well, <sighs> they were circus animals. They had yeah. been trained by people. Yeah. I'm sure they felt that, therefore, you know, they they knew how to live with people. But <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, do we all remember Siegfried and Roy? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Granted, that was I know that's after when this movie took place, but. Siegfried and Roy could have learned something from this because they lived with their animals. Like, mm-hmm. oh, no, they're family members. No, no, they're carnivorous megafauna. You don't, and, and you are food. <laughs> you don't just cuddle with carnivorous megafauna. Roar is just a giant 
psychological study that could be analyzed for a very long time. Yeah, that, wow. It's a bucket of wow. <laughs> it really is. So after that, um, this is another film that, it's like, I'm not sure why I played B-Fest. Kansas City Bomber. I feel like I've heard of, I feel like I've the, heard the, of this. The Raquel Welch roller derby movie. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, I do. I'm like, why does that sound familiar? Well, yeah. because it's a I, roller derby. I assume derby. everyone who's, who's been in roller derby gets shown this movie as like some kind of rite of passage thing. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. See, that's, that's really what happens is you play roller derby and you find out about all the roller derby mm-hmm. movies, but then you don't watch it, them. It, it, it really shouldn't have, have come after Roar and before yeah. the next movie. Well, well actually, because it was actually like, it's, Actually, kind of perfect because it's it's this low key melodrama. Raquel Welch is a roller derby lady in the seventies with uh, Kevin McCarthy as kind of the sleazy manager, uh, uh, the owner of the team. And there's like sexism going on and all that stuff. And that that is pretty much the plot of the movie. There, Raquel Welch, sexism. She has a kid. She's estranged from. You know, that's pretty much it. But the thing is, between Roar and the final film, we needed some sort of spacer we needed a breather because there was no way anything was going to follow roar and be successful (laughs) okay um so yeah it was kind of a nice little breather it was kind of like i don't have to pay much attention to this i can wander out come back in and still know what's going on and hey it's raquel welch on roller skates i'm cool with that and uh yeah yeah, and and uh you know it's it's supposed to be this um yeah, like struggle of a single mom trying to follow her dreams and, and, and achieve success and get by with all these obstacles in it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. And, and she has a rivalry with another roller derby player who's clearly an alcoholic because mm-hmm. she's always drinking out of a well, paper bag. She's Her job is to play roller derby? Yeah, yeah. She, she, she's a professional roller derby. Yeah, person. I was wondering about that too. There's apparently, <laughs> I, I don't know if this was really a thing in the 70s or not, but it was like... It's like a pro league. Well, there were, there were, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe there were. I feel like that seems true. And it's portrayed much more pro wrestling like. Well, that's, people, yeah, people that's what ultimately and, and stuff, was you know? the downfall. It became mm-hmm. too ridiculous and then people yeah. stopped wanting to, to watch it. Um, it has to be bank track, right? Yeah. Because yeah. flat track didn't come in until the, re, the Renaissance. And, yeah, there uh, was a little. Uh, Where's there well, the r- roller derby renaissance? Okay, okay. I was, I'm thinking like 1550, and I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, were there shenanigans like clotheslining and and throwing punches and stuff? Yeah, oh it, yeah, it, chairs. It, 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 it was it was a co-ed yeah. league. A co-ed league. It was a co-ed league. Well, That's well, I, yeah. Well, I mean, it was two two teams that were traveling together. Um, so there was the male. Yeah, male it was kind of it was almost like team. a barnstorming-y thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. At least that was the impression I got. But Yeah, I've, I've heard of the movie. I should I should watch it. And, yeah, and, and, and there's like one big guy named Hank who's sort of the, clearly like supposed to be the heel of the team, like yeah. the, the bad guy of the team. But off off the track, he's seems to be just a decent guy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's pro wrestling, so he's got his character. But the, you know? you know, the the sort of asshole girl skater is like an asshole off the track, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, trust me, there are asshole girl skaters. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there are. Yeah. But, I mean, 
but but just by virtue that there is at no point in this movie where Raquel Welch scalps Kevin McCarthy with her teeth. Um, <laughs> what, felt, what this movie needed? What this? Well, you okay. know, when you set the bar that high, Melissa. <laughs> I know. Well, well, you know, Kevin McCarthy clearly wants to date the Raquel Welch character because it's Raquel Welch. I mean, duh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and and, and um, you know, he's clearly doing things where, like, if someone is too friendly with Raquel he trades them from the team because he doesn't want anyone in the way oh gross yeah 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 that that kind of stuff I mean it's really you know gross uh manipulation stuff and the the scene just really needed Raquel to just haul off and deck him well and she's got roller skates trust me if you've got roller skates you can hit somebody with those fuckers there's a scene like near the end of the movie where they're kind of She's living in a houseboat, so they're like walking by the waterfront or something, and and he makes some assholey comment, and I'm like, fucking, just throw him in the water, <laughs> just God, you know, and, and you she play kind of roller derby, kick his ass, yeah, you yeah. know, it, it, there's surprisingly little action in the movie. Yeah, I I was really hoping that um, Raquel Welch at some point would curb stomp somebody with her skates on, you know, much oh, like happened in uh, awesome. Boogie Nights, but no, that didn't happen. So. So like, it was. We it was a modern exploitation roller derby film. Yes, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. That but it be, does need to happen. That yeah. would be great. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah so, and, and it finally ends with some kind of weird grudge match, one on one match between Raquel's character and the sort of asshole drunken woman character. How is there a one on one match? What like a a race or yeah, like a one on one race where you can elbow each other out of the way or something? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you you should watch it and just go. <laughs> what what ah mm. you know rules. But but it, it it ends with you know Raquel barely winning, and they keep they do this awful thing where, like, it's her reaching for the tape to win the race, and then it goes back and shows that from another angle, and it's clearly a whole other take. <laughs> yeah, reaching for that, and they they do, they do that like four or five times. Mm-hmm. Whoa, whoa, suspense! No, not really. Yeah. No. And, and uh, she wins the race. Nothing is, and the movie ends, and nothing's really resolved. It just kind of ends. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, it's not great. It's not great. But it was a placeholder. It was a placeholder. It gave a space between Roar and the final movie. And the and final it's, movie. And it's Raquel Welch wearing yeah. tight clothing, and I'm okay, okay just, with I, that. I have to admit, now I'm curious to know what was the last movie? Super Inframan. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. Nah, uh, yes. uh, oh, oh, oh my god! Oh my god, Wendy! Oh my god! Okay, this, <laughs> this this went over just about as well as Roar, which is like, if if we had had Roar and Super Inframan back to back, it would have, like, we would have exploded. It would never have worked. No, Super Inframan, Shaw Brothers. looked at the movies of Japan and like all the Godzilla and the Ultraman movies and Jet Jaguar and stuff. And they looked and said, Hey, let's do that. And so this is how our friend Tim described super inframan to me. He goes, okay, it's slow for about the first 15 seconds. And then, and then it's fine. (laughs) And he is, he is not kidding. He when was, the movie starts, he starts counting one, one two, two, three, <laughs> and then no shit. Fifteen and, and, seconds in, it is nonstop. It, it's like it's like a scene on a school bus, and like the teacher's leading the kids singing some song on a school bus, uh-huh. and then suddenly, 
monsters. Flying lizard monster shows up. Yeah. Earth cracks open. The bus falls into the crack in the in the road. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it never stops from there. It's amazing. And and so, oh God. So. First of all, it's Shaw Brothers, so um, I just happened to be wearing my Shaw Brothers t-shirt. So I, I was like standing up at the audience and going, Shaw! And everybody's like, yeah, Shaw! And and then the And other people are going, happen. oh, I get your shirt now. Yeah. Because they, they saw you people. the Shaw Brothers logo comes up on the screen like, oh, that's what your shirt it is. It doesn't mean SpongeBob, it means Shaw Brothers, goddammit. <laughs> oh, so... <laughs> so, so this super inframan is is the is the story of this 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 evil dragon queen and her coterie of monsters versus a man who gets a uh, super america into super america uh super captain, america. captain america into into a, a giant robot man and Wow. Oh, it, 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 wow. It is so full of wow. <laughs> um, so there, there, there are scientists in giant rooms with blinking lights and, um, giant <laughs> panels that look like a huge Tetris game and they throw monsters into it at some point and, and there, there are things on fire. Uh, <laughs> Oh my God, Melissa! There, you've, the, the, you've, the, got, you've gone plaid. You are so incoherent with joy. We were watching the dubbed version, which is special because the um, the translation is so bonkers. There is one uh, quote off of the dub track that's: "The situation is so serious that it is the worst in human history." <laughs> <laughs> it is so great, so great. And, um, and the villain is is called Princess Dragon Mom. Yeah, Aww. or something like that. <laughs> I'm um, serious, Princess Dragon Mom, and and she has the most extraordinary and her her outfit. Her second in command is She Demon. Yes, She Demon's pretty great too. But um, Princess Dragon Mom uh, has the most extraordinary outfit. She has like long blonde Valkyrie hair and like this giant gold helmet. Her she has this green dragon scale leotard thing with metal breast things that look like commas and um, like a metal neck thing. And one of her hands is a dragon and the other one is a different kind of dragon. And then she has this dainty little pink bow tied around her neck. It is the best. (laughs) (laughs) It is just the best. (laughs) Oh, 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 oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So there, there's a shot where, um, you know, science things are happening. There are like dials and shit being filmed. And I'm sure Shaw Brothers filmed this going, um, nobody will understand what the English on these dials means, except for like English people. <laughs> and, I forgot about this. And, and the dials are cyan, magenta, and yellow. <laughs> it's like you care about how much color is in something. Like the Earth is cracking apart. It's like, oh wow. no, we're running low on cyan. <laughs> yes. <Quick. laughs> yeah. Cross circuit to be. You know. It's so great. It's so great. There, There is literally a shot in this movie where there's a boat, you know, cruising down a river. And it's a Chinese guy in the middle with, like, giant <laughs> fuck-off 70s sunglasses <laughs> flanked by two crazy-ass monsters. And, and 
it doesn't really lead in, into anything, but it's like that shot is my everything. That is what's inside my head at all times. It's like <laughs> crazy Chinese guy flanked by monsters, and they're just cruising down the river. Do 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 do. It's these. Oh, the, the the monsters are so bonkers. Yeah. In this thing, I mean, oh, I mean, oh, it's like literally like like there's a tree monster. Ha- give, give give like a give a five year old kid a 12 pack of soda and have him chug the whole thing and then just see whatever kind of monsters this kid would come up like. <laughs> That's what these monsters are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. The, there's like a tree monster that, you know, grows giant and they're tree vines. The one with the drill for a hand. The one with the drill for a hand. <laughs> there's, um, Oh, the, the, like like the the hairy Fu Manchu mustache one thing. A yeah. tree with the drill. I feel like that's counterintuitive. <laughs> uh, uh, it's okay. It's okay. The two, the two monsters that are like logic metal, circuits are trying to kick in. And the that's two monsters foolish. that have like the spiked mace for a fist that sh- they shoot out on giant spring. <laughs> People. Oh god, the giant spring! Like the the the, the twin monsters. There are two monsters. Twin, like this. twin metal twin, monsters. Twin metal monsters. Their hands shoot out on springs. Their heads shoot out on springs, and they try to punch you with their hands and their head on springs. And so, of course, you know our hero defeats them by tangling up the springs like a slinky, and that's really all there is. Um, <laughs> and, and and the monsters' voices are all like, ah, "I will defeat you." Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the monster voices are like that. It's just... yeah, it oh, it's glorious. It is so glorious. It's like like again, it's another one of those movies where I I can't even begin to figure out what the plot was. Yeah, it's, it's monsters punching it's just, each it's other. Just what monsters, do you want? It's just monsters fighting a you know Asian cyborg guy. Oh God, it's great. And it's <laughs> you know with, with like the. Jing, whoosh, 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 bish, 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 kind of sound effects all the oh, time. Oh, and you can, and, yeah, and you can totally see the loafers that the guys are wearing. <laughs> the costumes, like they get thrown, and it's like, oh, he's wearing sneakers today. <laughs> There's like one scene where like the plant monster gets gets thrown into a building or something, and and you you just totally see this shot of his like conventional shod feet oh you know, and there, like, are, there are so many shots where you can see like somebody has split the crotch of the costume open oh. it's like you can see the, you know, like they have this sh- glorious shiny lame costume and like boxer shorts underneath it. like very clear That's so funny. oh it's glorious it's glorious yeah. highly recommended it is bonkers Love it, love yeah, it, love and it. And it's one of those things where, like, you know, every time something happens, like the the scientist tells Inframan of this other power he has that he didn't know about. Yes, <laughs> that can this will melt the ice. Oh, I can. Okay, I can melt ice now. Yeah. How handy! Yeah, oh, yeah. It's oh, I love it, love it. Yeah. It, I, uh, it's a nutty little film. Yeah, it it and that it was the perfect closer. It was just. Mwah! And uh, yeah, one one of the one of the Brian's Brian Clark was was saying something like, "Oh yeah, I used to check this movie out from the video place all the time as a kid. He, he checked it out like ten, eleven, twelve times." <laughs> and his parents were always like, are you, "Are you sure you want to get this again?" And he's like, he's like "Yes, yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, I do. I want to see Asian monsters beating each other up." 
And, and How is this hard to understand? And this is an excellent vector for that. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is some sort of crowning achievement of mankind. Oh, I don't know and, what they... And, and it's well known. Uh, it's some, Well, not well known, but it's sort of famous uh, for having a pretty positive review from Roger Ebert. Yeah. <laughs> Roger Ebert saw this and went, yep, this is this is a thing that happened in front there, of my there, eyes. There's, a, like there's like, like a, a lot of B-movie people like quote this and I'm going to get it wrong. But there's a quote from uh, his review where, where like, you know, where something like, if they stop making movies like Super Inframan, uh, a little light is going to go out of the world. And it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we closed it out and... Um, then we went you know, to the uh, Italian our... buffet place and ate lasagna. Yeah, we we ate lasagna as big as our head. To yeah, because we really people. needed lasagna as big as our head. Yeah, we needed to have real food again, and uh, that was good. And, and then you went uh, to sleep, so you ate carbs and then slept. Pretty much. Yeah. That is pretty much what happened. And did you sleep all night, or did you get up and go out and do something? Well, we had no. breakfast. Yeah, we got oh, up. Oh, no, but wait, because you guys get out at 6 p.m., so yeah. dinner, go to bed. Pretty much. And then it's Sunday morning, you had breakfast and then started the drive back? Yeah, pretty much. Well, we, we, we had, had a long, circuitous route out of Chicago. Yeah, like, yeah. We, we went to Berwyn and, uh, you know, after having some breakfast with uh, some of the other out-of-towners before departing. So then after that, Kelvin and I went to Berwyn and we went to a place that we heard about and had never visited before. Um, Horribles. Yes, I saw the pictures. Oh, a horror collectible store, which is really tiny, but it's really yeah, cute. yeah. They had like they had some really extraordinary posters there. They had like an a, a, oh, a, yeah. a, a just total random thing that blew my mind. What one of the things they had for sale was a lobby card from Kansas City Bomber. That yeah, was, that was autographed by Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of all things, it's like just oh, we just we just saw that movie. Yeah, and uh, they had a bunch of it's some really nice posters and back original posters, um, lots of maquettes and videos and things, and you know you just kind of paw through and there there were a lot of things. I was I was tempted by the original Road Warrior poster. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, it wasn't in great condition, and they were selling it for 150, and I'm pretty sure I could get it for a better price online. But yeah, that's one of those things I was like. Mm. Tempting, mm-hmm. and and then some other uh, collectible, yeah, comic book movie memorabilia kind of store that's like next door but doesn't have anything to do with horrible. Yeah, they they share a wall. The They're literally right next door from each other. So there's a uh, comic. The comic shop actually. I bought a couple uh, reproductions of some Beatles posters there. Yeah, they- and 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 I found a copy of Harpo Speaks, Harpo Marx's autobiography. Yeah, which oh. is out of print. Um, they I, was, had, I was very happy to find that. They had a very nice selection of uh, Godzilla toys. Oh, yeah. They had the super giant orange one. Yeah. They had this giant orange Godzilla where, where it's like, I'm not even going to ask how much that is because there's there's no way I should be spending money on that. <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's like a three foot it. tall Godzilla. Yeah. It was, it was glorious. Not cheap, I'm sure. And then from there, we went to Cigars and Stripes, which, was, uh, which we hadn't... Uh, visited in a couple years cigars and stripes being i don't know about a mile from there and it's a little bar uh when we first found it it was just a little bar with like sideshow and horror themed stuff all over the place uh also a cigar shop with a nine foot tall smoking mummy and um <laughs> Not kidding about that. And uh in the years since they've added a smokehouse and they do some really 
excellent chicken wings. So Ooh, we went there. We great barbecue stuff, especially if you like barbecue. very spicy barbecue. Oh, they can spice you up nicely. So I, I, I feel a little weird telling a woman who now lives in Austin, Texas about the barbecue place. <laughs> well, there's different kinds of barbecue. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, for, for my, you know, ignorant northern perspective, I really fucking love their barbecue there. But. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a, a spice hound and they do some truly nicely hot stuff. So... Uh, yeah, we went there, uh, had some of their very good beer, and had some of their very good meat. Watched part of a football game. Part of the <laughs> AF- AFC championship game, because that was on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and, took and Melissa went into the, into the ladies' room and shrieked. Yeah. I see. Because they have a, they have a giant uh, monster janitor uh, okay. character in there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the way that the women's restroom is set up, you go into the door and it's a just a single stall bathroom. So you go in the door and the light doesn't turn on until you close the door. You have to close the door to turn on the light. So you close the door and the light turns on and immediately behind the door, they have set up this, this uh, mannequin in like a monster suit and a janitor's uniform with a mop. So the light turns on and out of the darkness is this monster thing like right next to you. <laughs> So, so we were watching, you know, as people filtered in uh, into uh, watch the game, we kept listening for the screams coming from the bathroom. <laughs> it's like you hear the door close. You go, oh, she must have been here before. The, the way the way the way the the the, the restroom is kind of built. It's sort of like a, a weirdly very small but very long. Mm-hmm. Restroom and and they have the monster janitor facing you as you're peeing, it, facing you as you're peeing <laughs> in in a in, in kind of a nook and it, and it kind of looks like like a legitimate janitor's closet. Yeah, like like the janitor just accidentally opened the door and like oh lady peeing or something. <laughs> you know, um, it's also filled with uh, Mitch O'Connell art. Mitch O'Connell actually does all the posters for B Fest, so it's like oh. Mitch O'Connell art. <laughs> the men's room is a little less spectacular, but it has a lot of uh, like framed EC horror comics posters all yeah. over inside. Yeah, so, and a lot of wacky packages. Did you did you know about wacky packages mm-hmm. when you were a kid? No, Wendy. Uh-huh. Uh it was this weird fad that happened in the seventies of it was like stickers that were like sort of gross out Mad Magazine type parodies of like popular products. Oh yeah, those. Yeah, those. It's something oh. if you saw them, you'd probably recognize what yeah. they were. Yeah, like that, that sounds familiar. Um, like there was one for Coffee Mate called Coffin Mate, and it's like a vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, he had like big framed collections of those, which for me is like a, a huge nostalgia thing because I was way into those when I was a kid. But. Yeah, I've talked to the owner of Cigars and Stripes before, and he is this crazy old dude with just this absolute adoration for. Horror movies and and B movies and side the first, show. The first time we went stuff. there, I remember like for some weird reason, I don't know if it was like on on, on video or what, but they were showing RoboCop three. Yes, we were watching RoboCop. So we were watching 3. RoboCop three. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, they have a giant movie screen that comes down from the ceiling. This place is tiny. It's, and it, it's like a neighborhood place that just happens to be cool, like cool and wacky monster themed yeah okay we've been recording for two and a half hours yeah we need to wrap this up balls okay so so, okay (laughs) so anyway after that says kelvin so anyway after that we drove home we yeah that's pretty much it (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, and we stopped was- at we stopped at Matsua and bought some Japanese food. Oh yeah, yeah. And that was Beefest 2016. And that was yep. Beefest 2016. All right, it's time for our pleasure dome recommendations for the week. Ooh, yes. Ooh. Um. Do I? Hmm. What do I recommend? I don't know. I okay, have, I'll think um, about it. I'll think okay. about it. I alluded to this earlier. I, yes. uh, my good friend Paul Whittemore uh, posted this on his Facebook and I fell in love and posted it on mine. There is a music video probably taken from a live variety show in the, uh, gosh, late 60s. Mm-hmm. And it's Tom Jones singing the Beatles. We can work it out. We can't work it out. Okay. Um, Tom Jones is sporting the biggest moose knuckle ever. Oh. oh my goodness. He is rocking it out in this, I swear to God, orange pantsuit thing. That, and there's this puzzle motif happening. There are puzzle pieces hanging from the ceiling. There are puzzle pieces that are appearing on the floor that he's dancing on. And there are backup dancers in black and white jumpsuits with a puzzle piece motif on them. Everything about it is glorious. Everything. Every, <laughs> every, every the choreography, the outfits, the, the swing in 60s, you know, vibe. Tom Jones singing. I actually love his voice, his physique. And, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's and then at the end the puzzle comes together and there's like a dove of peace on the floor that's been put together. It's so good. Nice. Nice. It's so beautiful. So Kelvin, do you have a recommendation this week? Yeah, I I did um for the the podcast other podcast that I do um Get Off My World, which Yay. is a Doctor Who podcast. Yay. Yay. Uh and and which we're going to be recording tomorrow actually. For the podcast I listened to the uh the War Doctor audio adventure that had just been released, mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, you know, featuring John Hurt as the War Doctor, which who was the Doctor between the eighth and ninth Doctors, who showed up in uh, the the 50th anniversary special day of the Doctor, and it's really cool. It's really fun. It's uh, interesting as a bridge between like the old Doctor era and the new Doctor era, and it's also very distinctly its own thing in the Doctor Who universe because it's. The war doctor, you know, it's this very different kind of doctor who's dealing with the time war and, and all this kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, it was just really cool. It's called Only the Monstrous. Hmm. Nice. And it's it's a three-part story. Uh, and I can't think of the three individual parts of it right now. But it's a three-disc uh, audio adventure. Um, and it's really great. I, I really loved it. It's John Hurt. I mean, come on. He's a great actor. And yes. <laughs> so, uh, drop some money on that. all right so i got one i saw today a video that was it's a videotape taken at first avenue back in what was it 1983 oh i saw this on your thing of prince performing purple rain for the first time like crowd's there i'm gonna drop this new music on this crowd and they recorded it live and it is the the actual performance that went into the movie and onto the the album of Purple Rain. And so, but um, this is like the completely unabridged just videotape of him performing the entire thing. And somebody went through and put captions on it. So if you're not a super uber Prince fan, you know the, the finer details of, okay, this is where the cut is on the album. All this stuff you're hearing now is 
not in the movie, not in the album. Okay, now we're cutting back into what you can hear. And uh, this is the first time he was performing with this guitarist and, and all this historical stuff. So it it is actually really pretty cool. So Oh, uh, and yeah, the, the notes on it are clearly some fan just like oh my god here it comes this is so amazing yeah and he found this riff and clearly it's good because he keeps using it so (laughs) so yeah it's uh it's very fun i will link it in the show notes all right listeners this has been our two-part extravaganza about bee fest in chicago Mm. and melissa and kelvin's adventures there too we are so glad you joined us once again to hear all about the crazy shit that you can find on film. Oh my God. So I have been Wendy, joined as always by Melissa and our special weird correspondent, Kelvin. Yes. Hi, Kelvin. I'm gone. Hey. <laughs> Thank you, Kelvin. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, listeners. <laughs> and we will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Yep. Bye, everyone. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Ha <laughs> <laughs>